Welcome to Every Moment His, a podcast dedicated to how God's preached word affects every moment of our daily lives. This sermon was preached by Pastor John Rasmussen at Holy Cross Lutheran Church. Would you please pray with me as we prepare to hear God's word? Father in heaven, we ask you with the whole church that you would send your Holy Spirit into each of our hearts. Send your Holy Spirit into my heart that I would faithfully preach your word in a way that makes Christ uh, apparent and clear. And I pray, Lord, that every heart here, every mind would uh, hear the voice of Christ calling to them through your Spirit uh, as these words are spoken. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So go ahead and take out your Romans journal and open up to Romans chapter 8. Right in the middle of Romans, we're going to be picking it up at verse 18. If you're a guest with us, uh, go ahead and grab a pew Bible. We have those uh, right in front of you, and you can turn to page 944 uh, as we take a look at Romans 8, 18 through 30. I mentioned last week that Romans 8 is often considered, and I think it's true, that uh, one of the best chapters in the Bible, right? And certainly one of the best chapters in Romans. Uh, Here Paul is really tying together all the the big and the beautiful things that God has done for us in Christ and in Christ alone. That's why we're here today, right, Uh, is to celebrate and to rejoice in the hope that we have in Christ. Now, up to this point in Romans, Paul's mostly been talking about the here and the now. He's been talking about what it means to be justified or declared righteous and not guilty by Christ right now, and what it means to live in light of that justification in the here and the now. So, turn with me back to Romans chapter 5. I just want to kind of put our reading into context here. If you go back to Romans 5.1, Paul began a new section that really set the tone for everything we've been saying in the last weeks. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, remember that means to be declared not guilty, innocent, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And so that's been the theme all the way up until now is what does it mean to be justified? What does it mean to be made right with God? And then Paul says this, he says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So just for a brief moment back there in chapter 5, Paul looks forward to the future Uh, And Paul hasn't really talked about the future, the future hope that we have as Christians very much. He's been talking about the here and the now. But here in chapter 8, verses 18 through 30, we're going to see spelled out for us in a really beautiful way what the future hope of every Christian is. And it's bigger and it's more beautiful than than you might even know. Uh, So let's hear it together. So Romans 8 starting at the 18th verse. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called, and those whom He called, He also justified, and those whom He justified, He also glorified. This is God's Word for us today. Amen. So as I mentioned before, up to this point in Romans, uh, Paul's really been focusing on the present right now experience of being made right with God through faith in Christ. That's justification. He's been talking about the right now being shaped into the likeness of Christ, that process that we call sanctification. But now he's going to point our gaze forward to see the big and the beautiful, blessed future that we have as children of God. And so you'll note that he uses that word hope or he uses that word glory. That's what we're looking forward to. Now, I'm going to hold out to you a couple things today. Number one, I'm going to hold out to you this, that there is a direct connection between the hope you have for the future and the way you live right now. I've heard it said before that hopelessness leads to hopeless actions. But the opposite's true too, right? That when we have a strong understanding of the hope that we have in Christ, it leads to a hopeful way of living and acting. The other thing I'll hold out to you today is that it may be that your understanding of the hope you have in Christ is incomplete. And I'll say that as somebody who grew up believing uh, the the, the Christian hope in a way that was incomplete. And so I'm going to begin with that. Uh, There is a myth that Christians and even non-Christians believe about the hope of the life to come. I'm just going to kind of describe this hope for you. And maybe it might hit home a little bit. Maybe you might say, that's what I believe right now. Um, Well, that's why we're in Romans, right? To learn what is the real hope we've been given in Christ. So this mythical hope, this hope that's not true, or maybe it's just not true enough, goes like this. Jesus saved my soul. And I'm just a stranger here 
heaven is my home, earth is but a desert drear, heaven is my home, and I'm just waiting for Jesus to get me out of here. He saved my soul, and I'm waiting for, like the old song in the 70s puts it, spirit in the sky, that's where I'm going to go when I die, right? Um, The goal is not this world, but another world. So that's a myth. It's actually not what Scripture teaches. You'll notice when Paul tees up, you know, to talk about the hope of the life to come, he doesn't say anything about any of that stuff. But often that's the way that we talk about the hope to come. But that's not scriptural. In fact, there's no verse that says, when you die, you go to heaven and you live a disembodied existence with Jesus and the angels forever. It just doesn't say that. Rather, the hope that we have as Christians is much more vibrant. It's much more living and active. It's much more hopeful. And we'll see what that is in a minute. But first, we've got to kind of uh, take apart this myth that we often believe about the life to come. This all fly away Hallelujah, by and by, in some world far away. Scripture doesn't teach that. Now, when we believe this vision of the hope of the life to come, it can actually impact the way that we live in a negative way. Because something like this happens. We say, you know what? I'm just passing through. This isn't my home. Heaven's my home. So what happens here? doesn't really matter all that much. We might be glued to watching 24-hour cable news and we're filled with anxiety. At the end of the day, we just kind of shrug our shoulders and say, well, kind of waiting for Jesus just to get us out of this mess, just to beam us out of here, right? And so we might even begin to not care much about the painful, difficult, complex things going around us. Or we might begin to dissociate our Christian life with all the other hours we live, you know, our nine to five. The life in our family, the life in our studies, the life in our work, the life in our hobbies. We might be like, well, I got my God life that I do at church and when I read my Bible and say my prayers. But then all the other stuff, I mean, that's just secondary. It's not really that important. Or we might even begin to experience this lack of hope in our bodies. We might just begin to overeat and overdrink and not exercise and just abuse our bodies or even abuse our bodies with sin because we're like, well, what's the point? I mean, this body is just a shell. It's just an earth suit. And I'm just trying to eventually wait until I get out of this thing, right? So do you see the connection between a mythical false understanding of Christian hope and the way that it actually impacts our lives in negative ways? Now, let's take a look at the even bigger and better hope that God has given us in Christ right here in the text. And before we do that, don't want anybody to go home today and say, what are they teaching those pastors in the seminary? Pastor John, he got up and told us that we don't go to heaven when we die. Didn't say that. Didn't say that. Are we clear? All right. When a Christian dies... The soul of every Christian is with Christ. 
That's what Scripture teaches. Philippians chapter 1, Paul says, looking forward to the possibility of his own death, he says that to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I'd rather be with the Lord, which is far better. That's what Paul says in the midst of his sufferings. And so when a Christian dies, the soul of a Christian is with Christ immediately in his presence. But that's not the end of the story. In fact, that is not the focus of the New Testament. That is not our primary hope. The primary hope that we hear about in Scripture, what the whole New Testament talks about, is right here in Romans 8. Let's start at verse 19. Now, as we go through this, I want you to circle the word creation, because it's a really important word. Verse 19 says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, to meaninglessness, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation, there it is again, has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. What's been missing often in our understanding of the hope of the life to come? It's the creation. Oftentimes, we discard the creation. We say, God's going to get rid of this. He's just going to kind of get rid of the the earth, and we're going to have some kind of disembodied experience of life everlasting. Friends, Scripture never says that. In fact, it says quite the opposite. As Paul's talking about the hope of the life to come, he talks about the creation. He talks about a good creation that God made that has not fulfilled its purposes. It has not realized its full potential. And there's a reason for this. Look what it says here. It says that it was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it. Well, who subjected creation to futility? For that, we have to go back to the early chapters of Genesis, and we hear about how God had created Adam and Eve to be wise stewards and caretakers of this creation. They were to be co-creators with God and to work and to labor with Him to bring about fruitfulness and abundance and to cultivate this world, to create things like art and culture and music and civilization and good things, right? But because of sin, creation has come under bad management. Wouldn't you agree when we look at this world, that this world has come under not-so-great management. People created in the image of God, but, but striving against their Creator, worshiping the Creator rather than the, the created rather than the Creator. And so this world has been torn apart, and it's been broken, and it's been subject to futility. It's not realizing the full purpose for which it was created. It's been subjected to futility. But you'll notice it says here that creation itself is longing to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. What does that mean? It means that this world longs and groans to be under better management. The management and the care of our Lord Jesus Christ and His brothers and His sisters, the church, who will rule and reign with Him in a renewed and healed creation. 
So I want you to see that the, the hope that we have as Christians is not some kind of disembodied soul uh, up in heaven forever kind of thing. That's not the Christian hope. The Christian hope is a renewed and restored creation with Jesus on the throne, renewed and healed and rightly ruled by Christ and His people. That's, that's the big hope, friends. But it's not just creation that groans and longs to be renewed. It's not just creation that God will heal. There's also this particular part of creation called you and your body that God is working to restore and renew. When the Word of God came to us, it says in John 1.14 that the Word of God became what? Flesh. He made His dwelling among us. The Son of God was born in a body. The Son of God lived and breathed and ate and drank in a body. The Son of God was crucified for our sins in a body. He was raised in a body. And at His ascension, He did not lose His body, but rather all of creation groans. Every Christian longs and groans for the day when our bodies will be made like His body. Look with me at verse 23. Paul says, And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons. And here it is, the redemption of our bodies. So, for example, in the Apostles' Creed, we say, I believe in the Holy Spirit, Holy Christian Church, the resurrection of the body, right? Um, scripture speaks in that way, and we also ought to speak in that way. Scripture hopes in that way, and we also ought to hope in that way too. The hope of the Christian faith is this, is it's not just my soul that God has redeemed and will restore, but it is also my soul and my body as an inseparable union that God will do for your body on the last day what He did for the body of Jesus on the morning of Easter. And that's not just me and my body that God is saving and redeeming, but it's also all of creation. The, the Christian hope is that God will do for all of creation what He did for Jesus on Easter morning. Freedom from corruption and death and decay, renewed and restored and healed to be enjoyed forever. So what does this mean for you when you go home today or when you wake up tomorrow? We could talk about that for a long time. But I'm going to give you one thing. Um, sometimes... Let's be honest, sometimes you and I think that the Christian life is boring. Let's be honest. And of course, if you believe that you're just waiting here until your soul evacuates planet Earth and you go to heaven somewhere, of course it's boring. But when we realize, when we grasp onto that hope that Christ died and rose again to give us, that it's not just our souls but our bodies and not just us but all of creation, that actually makes the Christian faith 
really interesting. Because it means that you, as a baptized believer in Christ, you are a representative and a citizen in this new world that God's creating. It means that you are a new creation in Christ, and you are part of the new creation, and that means that God has a lot of good things for you to do. Not only that, it means that every single thing that you do as a Christian is important and spiritual. So, if you play an instrument, play it to the glory of God, to the glory of the new creation that's coming. If you uh, are an artist, do your art thing, paint, draw, right, to the glory of God. If you have a vocation, if you have a role in the home, in your neighborhood, in your, your workplace, do it to the glory of God. Know that that's a spiritual moment. Everything a Christian does is spiritual because it's part of the new creation. If you've got uh, an instrument, play it to the glory of God. If you've got a sports team that you coach or a sport that you play, play it to the glory of God, just not Sunday mornings. Um, if you have any role that you've been given in this life, God has given you that role to exercise as a representative of the new creation. It means that we have beautiful, good work to do. But of course, we remember that we do that work in the midst of a world that's broken, a world that's still groaning, even in bodies that are still groaning. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside us in our weaknesses and creates even that discontented groaning in us as we long for this new creation. Friends, that's why the experience of the Christian life, the experience of faith is often very painful because we're living in the tension of the in-between, the old creation coming to an end and the new creation being birthed. In fact, Paul says it's like labor pains, painful but necessary as we wait for the joy of the new to come. Or to kind of give you one more analogy, the experience of having the Spirit and walking through this life, it's kind of like being in the car for eight hours on the way to vacation. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? The Spirit groans in us as it longs, as it waits, as it prays within us for God's will to take fruition in the work that we do. So, people of God, as we celebrate this Pentecost Sunday, may God give us His Holy Spirit to evermore embrace that hope, that full-bodied hope that He's given us of the resurrection and the new creation. And compromands, hear this word for you, may your Christian life never be boring because God's given you a lot of good work to do. He's called you to be a representative, a citizen of this new creation, and may you embrace that work God's given you to do. Do it joyfully. Do it with hope. In the name of Jesus, amen.